Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're back. Hour to the game. Mitch Fortner, Troy Coverdale, John Grove. Still learning the board here. And uh, Travion Berklin over his right shoulder watching every move that John makes. Phone number is 537-1350. Get to KU here in just a moment. Uh, here in the studio, we got uh, Major League Baseball, NLDS, Game 3, Phillies and Braves. Right now, 1-1 in the bottom of the third inning with Phillies at runners at the corners with two outs. Um, you know, I mentioned earlier in the show, I'm not a big fan of social media, but this is when I love social media because we were reminded 20 years ago today was the – I'm trying to think who the ball was thrown at. I think it was Manny Ramirez. I don't know who the pitcher was, but it's Yankees Red Sox at Fenway Park. And Manny Ramirez feels like he got thrown at. And it was just a high pitch inside, but it wasn't like at the head of Manny Ramirez, who, by the way, I sat behind it at a WrestleMania one time. What? He was uh, two rows ahead of me. And um, and in between us, Seth Green and Freddie Prince Jr. <laughs> you want to talk about some random people I just name dropped? Dude, dude that, that's like the old days of going to boxing, okay? Yeah. Let's be honest. Oh, look out. Bomb. Oh, home run Phillies. Who'd you Harper. have? Did you bet on this game? Uh, yeah. And, of course, when you know that of the three I've got home run bets on, uh, the two guys that have gone deep aren't in my list. <laughs> but anyway, 20 years ago today was when the benches cleared at Fenway Park, and it was when Don, Don Zimmer, yes, who was with the Yankees at the time, charged Pedro Martinez, and Pedro kind of takes him by the ears, the side of the head, and allays him over to his right. Throws him to the ground, and Don Zimmer, who was 72 at the time, tumbles. Yep. It is, to this day, that moment, even though on the broadcast, Joe Buck is like, oh, this is disgusting, this is bad. Uh, sure, I get that. But as a casual viewer of the sport, um, you know, obviously when the bench is clear, it's – other than hockey, I mean, baseball has to have the best fights. 
See, I don't see it that way because there is way too much of just standing around and the pushing and the shoving. Well, there's like, never really any fight to it. But if you, you, I'm not talking like every benches clearing scuffle has the best highlights. But if you look at the best highlights that the sport has to offer, okay, the best fights be that there. have occurred. Yes, yes. Uh, there was the one that was shared not too long ago. Again, that is just absolutely hilarious where the Padres and the Braves went at it multiple times through the course of the game. Like four times that they were brawling to the point that finally the umpire says, okay, everybody back to the clubhouse. When it's your turn to bat, we'll call you out. I've never, I've never been to a baseball game and I've been to many, Mm -hmm. but I've never been to a baseball game where the bench is cleared. Neither have I, actually. Unless maybe there was one K-State game that that kind of happened, but it never really became a thing. It never got out of hand. Right. But of all the major league games I've been to, yeah. I've never seen a – I've seen a streaker. I've seen people ejected, but I've never <laughs> seen a benches clearing brawl. So I've seen on the bucket list. I've seen a manager or a coach break his own glasses in an argument with an umpire, stomping on him on home plate. He then had to do a show with me later that night, which went really humorously. <laughs> but Pedro Martinez throwing Don Zimmer to the ground yes. 20 years ago today. Wow. And that was – that's when the uh, the playoffs started a little bit earlier. Yes. and Because uh, that was ALCS. And right now, ALDS yeah. time. That was at game three of the ALCS. So 2003, that would have been – yeah, the Yankees would have – yeah, the Yankees would have advanced that year. Um. But, man, Don Zimmer tumbling to the ground is still to this day one of my favorite sports highlights ever. It was it was amazing. It really was. And Pedro Martinez was like, what, what was I supposed to do? He was charging me like a rhino. Yeah. He was um, a raging bull. Olayed him. He's 72. <laughs> Honestly, good for Don Zimmer. Uh, he was ready to he was ready to throw some hands. Oh he yeah, was ready. he just found Pedro Martinez. I don't know what the deal between those. Maybe there is a story with those two, but I don't know. I don't know that kind of history. But well, Pedro calls it the worst thing that he did in his career. Says if he had yeah. had to do it all over again, that's the one thing he would would take back. Now that you said, I think I've seen that. So that yeah, before. Because uh, Pedro Martinez wasn't too long ago, he actually uh, there was a story done about it. He talked about it. Um, all right, let's get to the big news of the day. Um, uh, pro- Mike Boynton probably now wants to fight the NCAA, <laughs> or at least hope Oklahoma State sues right? or something yeah. because of the uh, the ruling that was handed down by the uh, brutal. Oh boy, the uh, I'm blinking on the acronym right now. The IARP. There it is. The Independent accountability review process that was headed. I don't know if it still was at this time by by Condoleezza Rice. Was she still at one point? At one I, point, yeah. I don't know that she is now involved with that. No, but now that's going away because it was made to review and investigate all these violations that had to. You know, it, it was all the controversy around college basketball. Um, so the decision earlier today, and we've talked about this many times over the last six years. And that's that's the whole thing about this. It took six years for the IARP to make a ruling on this after it was given to them by the NCAA because KU decided they're going to let the IARP tackle this. And the, the kicker there is Oklahoma State did not. They picked it, the NCAA to make the ruling. And uh, 
boy, much lesser violations by Oklahoma State than it was for KU. One level one violation, and they got a postseason ban for 21-22, three-year probation, among other rulings as well, other uh, punishments. But the Kansas Jayhawks earlier today, and I can give you the uh, the press release here. I can just start reading through it here because there's a lot to it, um, a lot to the review. Uh, but the big thing here is KU got three years probation. There is no show cause. There is no postseason ban. There really isn't any other further um, when it comes to punishments, violations, other than KU will have to vacate the games that Silvio De Sosa played in, and he played in 20 in the 17-18 season. Three of the wins that will have to be vacated will be three wins against K-State. So now you roll back KU's total wins of 204 against K-State now to 201. So take one uh, loss in Allen Fieldhouse away from Bruce Weber. And by the way, that loss was in between the Svimakailuk travel that wasn't called and the brawl. It was the game in between those two games in Allen Fieldhouse where Barry Brown missed a game-winning buzzer beater. It goes front rim and bounces away. That that was a a string of two games where K-State almost beat KU and Allen Fieldhouse and lost by a single possession. So the hearing panel found two level two violations and two level three violations instead of five level one violations. So all of them downgraded. Um, the institution was responsible for actions of appeal, company outside consultant, and representatives of athletics interests when he managed to provide four thousand uh, dollars in extra benefits to other to the mother of men's basketball per, uh, prospective student athlete number two, which was Billy Preston. On or about September 23rd of 2017, the hearing panel found this to be a level two violation. The institution was responsible for actions. Uh, when this representative of Adidas provided $2,500 cash recruiting inducement during the first half of September of 2017 to the Guardian, a men's basketball student athlete number one, Silvio DeSosa. Um, there's more to this as well. That was a level two violation. The institution was responsible for the actions of representative of athletics interest number one. A lot of wording. Just say Silvio de Sosa. Right. When in 2016, representatives of athletics interest number one provided approximately $200 in cash to men's basketball student athlete number four during a barbecue at the men's uh, head men's basketball coach's home. The hearing found that is to be a level three violation. Apparel company outside consultant, which should be Gasnola, right? That would be, yes. Had impermissible recruiting contact with the Guardian for men's basketball student athlete number one when he discussed the Guardian for men's basketball student athlete number one, the provision of used athletics gear for a a non-basketball team, and uh, the hearing panel found this to be a level three violation, so... And there's a number of things on Bill Self and Curtis Townsend, but they're, again, level two and level three violations. Everybody wanted to know what the punishments would be, and that is a three-year probation. We'll have to attend some meetings. Um, no, uh, I don't see any community service in there with yeah. their probation. Um, but also, we'll be vacating any games that Silvio de Sosa played in because he was ineligible the 17-18 season. So, again, three losses for K-State will now be wiped away. That also will take away 
the Final Four appearance for KU in 2018. So now instead of having 16 Final Four appearances, they're now down to 15. And here's another thing about that. At the end of last year, KU was the winningest program in college basketball Division I history. Because they'll now be losing 15 victories, that now rolls them back to second (laughs) all-time. Kentucky will now be the winningest program in Division I basketball history. And I'm like, you know, of course there's an asterisk next to that. Because Silvio played in every postseason game, now their appearance in the NCAA tournament will be wiped away. So now KU's run of how many consecutive NCAA tournaments – technically has been snapped in 2018, as in their existence in an NCAA tournament has been wiped away. So, you know, by the books now, their postseason, you know, consecutive postseasons in the NCAA tournament's now at five instead of like 30-something or whatever it is. You know, my reaction to this, though, is that um, – well, if you want – Troy, if you want to say anything before I give my reaction – but I just want to say I'm not surprised. No, and I'm not either. It it gets back to, again, an old joke that has been out there for years, and that is that if, if uh, North Carolina would get in trouble, boy, the uh, committee was going to be sure putting the hammer down hard on Middle Tennessee State. I mean, it's been that way for years. It's such a bad joke. The idea behind the IARP, and and this is where Condoleezza Rice got involved. She was not in the IARP, but was part of a organization that made suggestions as to how to better manage infractions and those types of things. So that's where the IARP idea even came from. It was supposed to have been a better way to handle these Because, honestly, the NCAA, at the behest of the schools, has done a poor job in terms of investigating infractions. They don't have the staff that is needed at this point. And with what the rule book is in terms of its size, there's just not enough personnel. And the schools don't want to pay for it. Let's be perfectly honest. The schools control the NCAA. The presidents control the NCAA. Well, how do you ensure that your teams aren't getting in trouble with the NCAA? Well, you make the NCAA toothless. That's essentially what has happened, is that over time, presidents have turned it into essentially a basketball tournament operator. I mean, honestly, yeah. that 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 really is all in a, a a a sports tournament operator because it's not really about enforcement of anything anymore, and we see that more and more and more with just even how things have gone with NIL. And there, you know, next week's going to be another hearing on Capitol Hill. Oh, please make a federal law on NIL. Please help us. The schools don't want to do it because they don't want the lawsuits. The NCAA doesn't want to do it because, well, again, they don't want the lawsuits. It's toothless. It is absolutely toothless at this point. And the IARP was supposed to at least level a playing field a bit in terms of those investigations. Make it be not so 
conflicted. Make it where at least it was more of a cooperative effort. And they did almost nothing. Next to nothing with any of the cases that were presented them. They got the worst cases out of all of these that occurred in 2017 and did nothing with them. And a big goal for the IARP was do not punish the future players. Yes. And also, you, you, you brought this up to me earlier today, that everybody that was under investigation had the choice. You let the NCAA rule or let it be handed to the IARP. And in a way, I kind of don't feel bad for Oklahoma State, but also, and again, we got to be careful with the allegations because, of course, there's allegations, you know, like, you know, these uh, these infractions, these five level ones, lack of institutional control was all downgraded and, uh, you know, power five stat or uh, blue blood status for KU and all. And I don't really want to touch that. That's a lot of allegations, but. Oh, come on. It's Sports Talk Radio. We're I, supposed to. Well, I know. <laughs> This is also a legal matter. This is a very big legal matter. Yeah. Hey, come on. I know an attorney who's already won a case against KU. Come on. Um, I, I got to say, <laughs> for what we do know, this was actually oh. well played by the Kansas Jayhawks. And Louisville. And, and LSU. And yeah. Arizona. And Sean Miller. But, and, K, but KU had some very serious infractions hanging over their head, and they get out pretty much with a slap on the wrist. Yep. Um, you know, when we come back, I think we need to look at that because of what KU did before last season to maybe prepare for the ruling before this season and why I don't necessarily feel terrible. In a way, I do, but at the same time, I don't for Oklahoma State. That's coming up next on the game. We are back in the game. Mitch Troy, John Grove is running our board right now. The phone number 537-1350. I'm going to bounce after this segment. And uh, Troy's going to have a number two song of the day and some Ask Us Anything as well with the boys that are still hanging out here. Uh, We continue on with uh, KU Men's Basketball receiving just a three-year probation. Um, And uh, we'll have to vacate the wins from the 17-18 season due to having, of course, an ineligible player in Silvio DeSosa play. And that does erase 15 victories out of the 20 games, uh, which... Pulls KU back to now the second winningest program in Division I men's basketball history by five games. So Kentucky's ahead by now five games. Take away the Final Four appearance in 2018 for KU, and that means a banner will be coming down uh, in Allen Fieldhouse. And you know, before the show, or before the uh, before the break, I should say, uh, we were talking about how you know, maybe KU was planning ahead last year for a softer punishment. And do I truly feel bad for Oklahoma State? I mean, here's kind of you know the details on why people are feeling bad for Oklahoma State, and that's because they had much lesser on their plate when it came to the violations under the same investigation mm-hmm. as KU. Mm-hmm. Much lesser. They were dealing with basically one level one violation, and according to Mike Boynton, it was just one player, three hundred dollars, and they got a very stiff penalty, and where. They got a postseason ban and under three years probation, among other things. They got a Larry Brown-esque penalty, if you want to go back to Larry providing airline tickets to a player back in the days. Well, and really, what we were all waiting to hear with this whole KU thing is, okay, five level one violations, KU last year, before last year's game, self-imposed 
some penalties. Four-year suspension for Bill Self and Curtis Townsend. Multiple weeks of recruiting taken away from both of those guys. Uh, They reduced official visits by eight for not only last year but for this year. Three scholarships taken away off the books for three seasons. Um, They also had a six-week ban on contacts with recruits and unofficial visits for 2022. 13 more recruiting days eliminated in 2022-23. So, I mean, it wasn't like they just gave themselves a slap on the wrist. I mean, some of it was, uh, you know, know, Mm -hmm. especially during a pretty big recruiting time, they did miss some time. But, of course, they, you know. Had a you know pretty big year in recruiting, especially out of the uh, transfer portal. This is seven footer out of Michigan that they just picked up, who was the number one recruit uh, into the transfer portal. Now Kansas might be you know the preseason number one team. I would imagine KU will be the preseason number one team in the country for the season starting here in about three weeks, three uh, little more than three weeks. Um, but the question was actually there were a couple of questions. Really, would that be considered? By the IARP punishing themselves and thus would lessen the punishment given by the IARP? And would KU face a postseason ban for this year? Because here's the thing. You know, we knew a while back that the that the um that um KU would probably not be facing a postseason ban. That report came out, I believe, over the summer. Mm-hmm that they would not most likely face a postseason ban. big part of that is because nobody else reviewed by the IARP got a postseason ban. Correct. Nobody. Oklahoma State did, but the thing is they were not investigated by the IARP. They decided to go with the NCAA. Well, the NCAA, you know, and maybe shame on Oklahoma State for, you know, letting them deal with this. Um, You know, hindsight's 2020, I guess, in this situation. But the NCAA rules, postseason ban, one-year postseason ban, three-year suspension, other penalties involved in there as well. But the big one was, of course, postseason ban for players that weren't involved. The one who did put a postseason ban in place for themselves was Arizona. And they did that at the uh, for the uh, 21 season, primarily because, let's face it, they stunk. Sean Miller at that point was completely out of control with that program. I mean, that was just that program was just tanking hard. It was on life support at that point. And so that fall, they went ahead and put themselves on a postseason ban. And at the end of the year, they got rid of Sean Miller. But here's the thing. I mean, the IARP, after their investigation, found that these should not be level one violations. These are level twos and level threes, which is, I mean, another thing is KU changed their tone they changed their tone when they decided we're going to self-impose penalties because as it was previously we're denying everything none of this is true deny 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 and then last year they're like all right maybe we did something now they came out and said yes maybe we did a few things here and there that we shouldn't have done they didn't state exactly what that was but at the end of the day, the IRA, the IARP decided – I'm tired of this acronym. I know. Terrible acronym. Hate having to spit it out. But they had decided that, you know, KU deciding to do that would weigh in on how they would go about 
with their penalties. They took that heavily into consideration. They admired it, and thus you got what KU got. The three-year probation, which, you know, you know, it's NCAA or whatever, keeping a closer eye on them. They'll have to go to a bunch of meetings before every season. The players have to be um, in written form known. They have to be known every year that KU is under probation. And so if KU were to screw up again, they're going to be in some big trouble. They're going to be in huge trouble. But with KU not getting any level one violations, you don't get a show cause, no postseason ban. And quite frankly, Bill Self, Curtis Townsend keep their jobs. Mm -hmm. If level one violations stay in play, all five of them stay in play, KU might not have a head basketball coach right now. Possibly. I'm not saying that would happen, but I'm saying that is a possibility. It would just depend, you know, what do the higher ups at KU decide? Right. You know? Be a hell of a fight. But there is that possibility. But KU got ahead of this. They changed their tone. They accepted some of what they did. Be like, all right, here's what we're going to do. We're going to punish ourselves, and hopefully you take it lighter on us. And they did. They they certainly did. So, I, you know, I got to say, this was handled. This was handled well by KU. As much as I hate to admit it, it was handled well by KU. They learned from what others did. They learned from what Arizona did and how they approached it. They learned from what Cincinnati did and how they approached it. They learned from what Louisville did and how they approached it. But how would you say how would you say Oklahoma or Oklahoma State? With, with thinking back because this was, you know, this is 5 years ago. Yeah. Oh, trust me. I remember sitting in a restaurant in freaking uh, Grand Forks, North Dakota, the night that the Sean Miller stuff went down. But they got to be hot because KU oh, does absolutely. not get a postseason ban on when they should be the number one team in the country. Absolutely. And they did for much lesser. Yes. Much lesser infractions and violations. Yes. But it again goes back to the choice that they made. And in Oklahoma State's case, they went through the standard course of how the NCAA handles infractions cases. And they got penalized for doing the right thing, essentially. They got penalized for cooperating with the NCAA. They got penalized for having it go to the standard process as opposed to sloughing it off to the IARP and then waiting it out. Which is really what played out. I mean, for crying out loud, KU didn't even have a day in front of the IARP to argue their case until this spring. Yeah, it taking six years is insane. Utterly a joke process. That's just a pathetic process at that point. It was everything that it was not supposed to be in terms of that. One of the major complaints has always been with the NCAA's infraction process, the amount of time it takes to go through an investigation. And again, part of that is because they just don't have the personnel. If you want to look at it another way, they don't have the cops. They don't have the detectives to be able to do that efficiently. And the IARP was supposed to be a process that would help ease that as well. And I know the official, like, verbiage isn't out there however they would phrase it but like you put the pieces together it just honestly feels like hey you took a plea deal you know what i'm saying right it was a plea deal pretty much yeah yeah 
you know, take these lesser punishments. We'll wipe away the felonies, give you misdemeanors. Woof. And we're going to call it a day. Felonies and misdemeanors. That's uh, quite a topic for KU basketball right now, isn't it? <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> How about Garden City? What the hell are they doing? Right? Arterio Morris. For those who haven't heard, Arterio Morris, who has just been alleged to have raped a woman, is headed for Garden City Community College. Yeah, Kay just let him go, and now he's enrolled at uh, at Garden City. So, But he can't play until January. Yeah, that's going to go over. Re- well, okay. I, I start to say that, then I remember it's the Jayhawk Conference. About the hey, uh, listen, I used to call sports in general. I conference. did too. Remember, I was at, I was at Highland for a while. Come on, let's remember that. How long were we there? Uh, I did those games for four years. Okay, I did three years at Cloud. Yeah, that's during my time at Cloud. Right when I was a student. Yes. Yeah. That's why I'm so good at play by play now. There you go. Having to call back to back soccer games. Yeah. And back to back basketball games, yeah. men's and women's. Oh, we're back to back all the time. I'll have to tell you the story once sometime about uh, the women's coach at Highland literally getting in a conversation with me during the game because it was so much of a blowout at Coffeeville one night. So is it disappointing KU is not getting the postseason ban? I mean, as K-State fans, of course. You you wanted to see, after this all came out, you wanted KU justice. to, yeah, you wanted justice. You absolutely <laughs> did. These programs are cheating. And, you know. I mean, KU got away with it almost, kind of. Yeah. I mean, you know, and John's giving me the slap on the wrist. I mean, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. But Every we time, saw it coming. man. I mean, that's why it's not a surprise. It was coming. We knew they weren't going get to get a postseason ban. That's not the surprise. I think the level five level one violations all being downgraded to me was the, uh, the big surprise. All right. Well, this is when I get out of here. But I'll, of course, be back for a full two hours tomorrow. I'm gonna yeah, let the... you, you've got it tomorrow because uh, I get that fun of the dentist chair again. Oh, we're going to have a busy day, though. Ryan Hyatt, we're going to talk Texas Tech football. Nice. He's going to come on yep. and talk. We're going to have Curry Sexton, of course. Uh, Travion's going to have to do Mitch in Vegas with me again because I can't get everybody <laughs> in the same room ever for Mitch in Vegas. So we just make our picks. So I have to ask everybody for their picks ahead of time. Maybe I can, you know. Troy's been hot lately, so I need to uh, I need to derail that train as quickly as I possibly can. But I'm heading out to Manhattan High School. Troy, John, Travion, they'll take you the rest of the way. The game continues next. Go Cats. Continuing on the game. All right, John, hit me with the questions. Oh, my gosh, this is like the passing of the torches. All right. <laughs> what is What would you guys consider as the most useless invention of all time? I thought about just saying out and out the home shopping network on television, but then okay. I realized that... They sell most of the useless inventions. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's where I was going with it. They wound up not so useless because... They sell the stuff that is useless. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I I think that that's probably where I'd go with it. Trey? Do you remember, like, the pocket chair? (laughs) (laughs) It was like a little foldable chair that went into your back pocket. That's probably the most useless invention of Uh, all time. By the way, with the existence of Amazon, do we really need the Home Shopping Network? 
Probably not, but there's a lot of, you know, bedridden people in this world that... I mean, granted, it keeps them from watching Lifetime. I guess. But even Lifetime, I... <laughs> That has a little bit more substance, I think. At least you get some, oh, I, you know. Uh, yeah, I, I, I call Lifetime the man-hating network, so, <laughs> and, and, and I get reamed for it. Um, yeah, that, that's a running gag between my wife and I. Oh. It kind of fits into the uh, she watches Hallmark movies category. Right. So, yeah, uh, I walked, walked in on her watching a Lifetime movie here recently, and she's even questioning why she was watching it. Because... It just, yeah, at a point you're just like, really? Come right. on. And of course, in every Lifetime movie, somebody dies. Right. They just have to. So. Do you have an answer, John? <sighs> right, right. Hi, it's a finger one, real quick. Probably the Pac 12 network. It's not a bad pick, actually. <laughs> yeah. All right. Catch you on the flip, guys. Have a good night. For John, for Trey, for Mitch, I'm Troy. We out.